There's a spirit at Bryan Health, a passion that says we can make it better, stronger, to raise our kids, to build our future, to move forward together. It's time for Bryan Health Radio. Here's Melanie Cole. Whether you've just begun exploring treatment options or have already decided to undergo hip replacement surgery, it's important to understand the different types of hip replacement and what they entail. My guest today is Dr. Scott Bigelow. He is an orthopedic surgeon at Lincoln Orthopedic Center. Welcome to the show. Dr. Bigelow, tell us about some of the conditions of the hip that re- that might require intervention and the pain that they caused. Who is most at risk for these types of issues with their hip? The most common cause of hip pain that would require a hip replacement is uh, the wear and tear type of arthritis or osteoarthritis or degenerative joint disease. Uh, All these terms are uh, used kind of interchangeably. That's by far the most common thing that we see, and that's what uh, typically the wear and tear type, uh, kind of the uh, quote-unquote old age uh, situation period. Um, Other um, conditions include rheumatoid arthritis, uh, there's avascular necrosis of the femoral head, uh, femoral acetabular impingement, various things that we also see, but they're not nearly as common. And who most commonly comes to you with problems like these? Uh, generally the uh, elderly population, uh, but we, we see it as young as uh, patients in their 30s and 40s. So what do you do first for them if someone comes to you with osteoarthritic hip pain or one of these other conditions? What's the first line of defense? Uh, typically, there's uh, several conservative things that we can do, including uh, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory medications, physical therapy, uh, modifying activities, sometimes using a cane, uh, weight loss, uh, things of that nature. So then if you've tried all of these things, including physical therapy and medications, anti-inflammatories, and none of these seem to work for the pain, affect the quality of life, then how do you decide with the patient what type of surgical intervention is needed? Well, what, one of the things that I tell patients all the time is I don't decide when you're ready for a hip replacement. You tell me. So basically when their symptoms have gotten to the point where Uh, They can't do the things that they like to do uh, when the conservative things aren't helping. Uh, A lot of times uh, when it's affecting their sleep, uh, basically when their quality of life has gotten to the point where they say, okay, I'm ready to do it, then it's time. So then tell, tell us a little bit about the different types of hip replacement surgery and the minimally invasive ways that hip surgery is now being used on some patients. Okay, so the traditional uh, hip replacement is, is uh, the traditional approach is from the side, incisions on the side. And the n- newer uh, thing that uh, is popular now is an anterior approach. Basically, we move the incision to the front, and it avoids cutting muscles. So we basically spread the muscles apart uh, to do the job. And, and with that, uh, we, we are seeing uh, quicker recovery uh, from the patient standpoint. So what would you like patients to do before, when if they're going to do the anterior hip replacement, would you like them to do prehab before the surgery? What would you like them to do to prepare? Um, I, the things that 
that help. Uh, certainly, um, being is in good shape before if you uh if, if you can lose weight that's helpful um trying to make sure that everything is optimized from a health standpoint uh so uh, if you're a smoker we'd like to have you stop smoking um get all your uh dental work done that you need to beforehand and just kind of get your health optimized before surgery so what's the recovery like? Because people hear about the difficulties with shoulder replacement or knee replacement, but hip replacement has been over the years a little bit of a of a faster recovery. Is that correct? I would agree with that. I think most people who've had, say, a hip and a knee would much prefer to go through the hip before. And that's even with the traditional approach uh, as well as the anterior approach. So most people, uh, typically with the hip, it's uh, a couple of days in the hospital, and then most people are are getting around uh, pretty well after that. Now, depending on uh, the patient, uh, uh, especially with an anterior approach, typically we'll see them coming back to the office in two weeks to get their staples out, not using anything to help help them walk. They just walk in. Isn't that amazing? And how soon can they resume exercise or sporting activities, things of that nature? Again, varies by the patient, but maybe six weeks to eight weeks before you're getting back to doing uh, a lot of the, the more vigorous activities. So then how long does that hip last, Dr. Bigelow? Is this a lifetime thing or might it have to be replaced? Um. The, all, the, all the hip replacements are mechanical devices, so I always say if, if you last long enough, they're eventually going to wear out. But the, the parts and the materials that we're using today, honestly, we don't really know how long they're going to last. Um, the ones that we put in 20 years ago, uh, over 90% of those are still uh, working, and I think the materials that we use now probably are going to hold up longer than that. What about range of motion and scar tissue? Is this less likely with the anterior approach? Typically, I think long-term, the range of motion and the results are going to be the same with the anterior approach and the traditional uh, anterior lateral approach. So what do you tell people about possibly developing? Do they develop scar tissue after any type of hip replacement? Is there any limit to their movement as you see down the line? Well, there's always, anytime you perform surgery, there's going to be scar tissue. That's how the, that's how the incisions heal. That's how the tissue heals, uh, by, uh, you, by forming scar tissue, uh, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. That's how, again, that's how the tissue heals. So um, as far as activity and range of motion, we really, in on the long term, we don't really limit um, what what they can do. I basically tell them I don't want them to put their foot behind their head, but other than that, whatever they feel that they can do, we'll let them do. That's fantastic. And Dr. Bigelow, in the last few minutes, please give patients listening your best advice about their hips, the pain they might be experiencing, and when they should consider talking to a doctor about hip replacement surgery. Well, I think it's important that 
at some point to go see see a physician and get an accurate diagnosis so you know what you're dealing with. And then, you know, once you've spoken with your the doctor that you've seen, you know what you're dealing with, then formulate a treatment plan and, and go forward with that. Thank you so much for being with us today. And if you'd like more information about joint replacement surgery, you can go to brianhealth.org. That's brianhealth.org. You're listening to Brian Health Radio. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.